Hey everybody, how's it going? This is Try here. Just wanted to let you guys know that uh, we've been upgrading our sound quality, so it's pretty exciting for us. We know the volumes have been a little low. We got a few uh, emails asking us to to pick up our sound game, so we did. Brought in Brad, our producer here at Lawson Sound, LawsonSound.com actually. And uh, yeah, everything's going to be sounding real good, just like this, from here on out. Shoots! Listening to Sandcast, Beach Volleyball with Triborn and Travis Mawarder, presented by Marriott Vacation Club Rentals and brought to you by VolleyballMag.com. We're back in our Born on the Beach studios and we have a fellow journalism major in the house. So try your out number today. We have uh, Brittany Pochaver in today. How are we doing? Oh, I'm well, thanks. Good. Yeah, broadcast journalism. So we have, we have both, yeah. both angles of journalism taken down. I was a print major. Okay. So your skill set is far more useful. Than mine, as print uh, is uh, going out of style. My niece just the other day asked what a newspaper was, and it <laughs> took the needle off the record in the Hochaver house. <laughs> wow. I need, like, a tissue. I'm going to yeah. start crying. <laughs> I know. Yeah, they, a don't, moment. they don't teach uh, cursive handwriting anymore in school. My mom told me. She's a teacher. Mm. That's out, which I thought should have been out when I was in <laughs> school. I was like, why am I learning this? Yeah. All I do is use my, my signature. And that's it. And my it's signature, only cursive I use. My signature is garbage, too. It's so bad. Because I forgot how to use cursive yeah. in the fifth grade. So it's just kind of a bunch of squiggles. It's like so a big T and a big N, with some, big N with some squiggles in there. Yeah. I don't know why they didn't teach me how to manage money and whatnot. Like, that's something everyone's got to do. Not write cursive. Come on. <laughs> killing me. <laughs> anyway. How about our audio? We just upgraded our mm. audio, ladies and gentlemen. So yeah, we have, we have a new audio. We, we've got producer today. Brad back there just working everything out. Yeah, we're getting legit, we're legit now, you guys. I'm queued up to speak directionally, <laughs> so <laughs> I'm, I'm excited. We're on point today. <laughs> we are. So, Britt, how has the... Well, no, Not off-season any longer. It's mm-hmm. like officially sort of season slash preseason in a way. I don't know. What do you consider it right now? We're in this weird sort of limbo between kind of the Hague and Fort Lauderdale, but AVP is not for another four and a half months-ish. I had to, I had to define that kind of on the fly because Emily and I ended last year in China and we found ourselves kind of going, we have a mini, like a mini off-season, mini preseason. So we're just kind of, I mean, I settled into just these mini cycles, you know, just my recovery time is very important to me. And so I'm doing everything but just um, in, in a shorter snapback time, you know, my bounce back time, I guess. And um, it's what, eight weeks bef- between these, these events, it's a little bit choppy. So it's these eight week cycles is kind of what we're doing. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm wondering what each cycle looks like for you. So maybe do you take like two weeks off and then maybe a week of light sort of no jump, just passing and setting, and then you get back full bore. How do you slowly kind of dial it back down and then dial it back up? I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily the case anymore. Yeah. Or if you're just on or off, you know, like, um, when I go into the gym, I, do something very ballistic and very explosive and then, and something very heavy and something very slow. And, and I pull, you know, I'm real concerned with the posterior side of my body and 
posturally, if I am in alignment and things are biomechanically moving soundly, then you know, like I'll move very slow, very slowly with heavy weight through those movements, and I'll move very fast and very ballistically through those same movements, right. and just get. You're basically teaching your body how to work with. You're, you're challenging your body basically. So yeah, okay, you can move fast with weight but can you move slow with weight and control that weight because um, at times we have to move with control but other times we have to explode and, and move with power and, and then you have to move without weight as well because our sport we don't have we're not football players we don't have weight on our back so you have to you have to learn how to put power into a little light volleyball too right at the same time but sometimes we're training and you're putting like depending on what you're doing you're putting a lot of weight on your body so I don't know. That's the way that my trainer kind of explains it is like you're trying to make it so your body's never comfortable. You're trying to confuse it and then make it learn how to recover and like find itself. I don't mm-hmm. know. That's how I picture what you're saying kind of. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think it, I did a, I had a nice moment with the word meek where it was controlled strength. So if you can control the, your strength and that's like body control and you know everything that we were kind of discussing earlier, but um, the body control and, and yeah, I, I, but being able to do that full speed. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, that's what you're on the court. That's what you're, that's what you're doing. You're trying to learn how to control yourself, but with whatever's thrown at you. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of, I don't know, recreating that in the gym. And you, you had a, kind of a, a breakout 2017 season with three wins, which congratulations, by the way. I mean, Thank that you. was, that was an awesome year. And, you know, it had been, you had been playing AVP for a while. And then where a lot of athletes might start to decline, you hit your peak. Mm-hmm. So what do you think enabled you to play at such a high level so late in your career? I think. I was lucky enough to stay healthy. Um, I came back from a back injury in 2006, and um, that took a year to recover, um, and I did it holistically. I, I now do Pilates every day, um, and I think it's the lengthening and strengthening concept. I think it's the pliability concept. I think um, being lucky enough to avoid the knife, really, and... So I think there's a lot of that to be said said for it, um, but I think it all catches up to you, like all the coaching and it. I remember saying after Manhattan this year, it takes a long time to play like yourself, and sometimes when you when you just arrive, you just know it, and sometimes that's at the age of 36, and then all of a sudden here I am, and um, you stay with the craft. You know, I'm all in, but I'm also all out. So it's it's still holding it as a craft and um, fall, staying in love with it, I guess. Staying in love with getting better at passing every day. Um, and I think after the Olympics, I kind of set that down and said, okay, maybe the commentating piece was was my Olympic experience and I got to see it through that lens and, okay, maybe that was it. Yeah. And... Um, you know, M called me back into the sport and she was on a short list of people I would play with. And we just started 
building, you know, just kind of kept doing us and, and that's been, that's been real fun. I think we complement each other real well, but I think we also have that other piece in place and, and then we can stand on that backing. We can stand on that knowing, um, because I always said I wanted my ego out of it because the ego has to detach at some point. And for athletes, it's, it's painful. And sometimes it happens in one blow. And so I've been thinking I'm at the end of my career for a long time. <laughs> and so I've like started that process a while ago of like, what's my transition you know, out of the game. What's my exit strategy almost? So there's almost like you let go of it. You you're like willing, it. you're like, it's okay if, if it's done, but I'm still going to, you know, see it through to the end. And then if, uh, if it's not done, then, and if things keep getting better from, from that, then keep going. And for you, it seemed like just allowing yourself a little more freedom or something. I don't, I don't know exactly, but just like opened up the floodgates almost and all your knowledge from, I mean, you've been playing since what, 2005? Yeah, I... When was, when was your first beach? And that's just the beach, by the way. 2005, I played in a couple um, qualifiers because I was just coming off the national team. Right, so you had a, you've had a, the a lot team. of experience on the beach. And that's a lot of knowledge coming all together at once. And then look what you guys did last year. Yeah, it was funny when I won Manhattan uh, in 2016... That was the first tournament I had won, and it's Manhattan. Yeah. And the text I get from Misty was about time. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I felt, I've felt it in me, and for whatever reason, you know, sometimes timing is funny. Sometimes, uh, you, yeah. There's, I mean, it's a lot of movable parts, but. Um, and 36 is not necessarily old in our sport. Look at the guy's side. I feel I 36 feel is average. Like I'm in my prime. It's wild. Well, you my joints are. feel great. My <laughs> everything like I can I can do stuff in a wisdom timing. I think that's also another piece is like there's a different timing to things. Right. And yeah, so it's fun to see that slow down. It's inspirational in for me eye? since I'm missing a year and a half-ish uh, during my prime, prime, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'm you excited. You determine that. Right, exactly. Right. I, that's why I'm saying, quote-unquote, it's mm-hmm. kind of crap. I mean, you only get smarter, <laughs> right? So if you can have your body keep up with it, then your prime's going to be way later. It all comes around. Yeah. And that's, you know, good and good and bad. You know, like, if you really fall in love with that process of recovery of, you know, trying to get into that, you know, top upper echelon, those, those last few points or whatnot, it always takes dramatic, a dramatic shift, you know, a decision and a choice. Totally. And so, you know, it's choosing for me to be all in and all out. I like that. Now, you mentioned that you, know, you thought that it was going to be the end of your career a few times. Mm-hmm. And I know that you've been, you've been so close at so many different levels. Like at Long Beach State, you made a couple Final Fours and won Finals. You were an alternate for the 04 Athens Olympic team, right? Mm-hmm. And then you had made several AVP Finals, won a few Norsecas, but still just kind of just missed on that big win. What do you think made 2016 and 17 just when you found 
like you said, you figure out how to play like myself. What, one, do, you th- what do you think you kind of discovered what playing like yourself is like? Won four tournaments in 2016, 2017, right? Right. And two of them are Manhattan, Manhattan right. Beach Not Open. a bad way to start. And the other two are <laughs> Huntington and Hermosa, which are like anything on the Cali coast is, is huge. So all your wins are huge. Yeah. I, I, I just think did it's, it. Just, <laughs> it's yeah. pretty simple. I just, uh, <laughs> is there any specific change? I feel like, like, or, um, I'm wondering, is there any specific thing that you feel like just clicked or is more just like yeah. that let go kind of thing? Um, this is not, this is not my quote, but I, I read just the other day and I'm not, I couldn't tell you who it was, but it was letting go of being perfect so that you can be good. Hmm. And, and I think like releasing the idea of, of wanting to be an Olympian, you know, like going, okay, well I was there telling the story right? and I was there with some of my best friends and one was, one was coaching, one was DJing, one was, you know, so knowing that the Olympics happen and the curtain goes up and the curtain goes down and when you're there, you realize it's as an athlete, it's another tournament, but then you, it's souped up, you know, it's, of course it's souped up, you know, and, but that wasn't my, I wasn't experiencing it as an athlete, but, but you had the Olympic experience. I had the eye in the sky and it was, it was crazy what I did have access to. And, um, so it was, it was a great experience. And, and I think, then just kind of going, this is why we love sport. Why do we all love sport? Oh, I, I get to continue to still play. Like I kind of feel like I'm on the house's money now. You know, it's, I'm in bonus, bonus baseball as my dad would say. Bonus baseball. Bonus baseball. And winning pretty big on the house's money too. I mean, you love the Southern California events. You swept them last year, as Tri mentioned with the Mm -hmm. Huntington or Mosa Manhattan sweep, which is pretty sweet. Mm -hmm. And then now you're out in Manhattan um, we were talking about routines earlier, and I, I don't know, I, I really enjoyed that conversation. And it seems like you just kind of enjoy sort of experimenting with finding a new routine and what works for you. Is that just kind of something that you like doing, just figuring out, okay, well, what's a good way I can sort of optimize a new situation? Yeah, I think I, I allowed myself to become extremely versatile, to have a lot of latitude. Um, I was actually doing a... T-Mobile family plan with with Nicole Brana and Emily and Stafford and so we went in on a family plan <laughs> and, awesome. and they're like, like Wait, what? so the they went they came under no they came under like my account wow, right that's and so real family it, now I, yeah exactly that's Volley family so that's family apparently <laughs> nowadays and I had an extra line and they're like what's your extra line for and like some, you know, sometimes you just got to get squirrely. <laughs> and I'm like, you never know when you need a burner phone. And Nicole just loves to give me a hard time about, you know, like living it on Vagabond Lane or whatnot. But, um, and it's not, it's, it's not like that. You know, I definitely have deep, deep roots as, you know, being from Colorado, families in Tennessee. And so it never, it was more about who I was with than where I was, where I was at. And so those those roots became very deep, but I also found the luxury um, of the travel lifestyle to be able to be the one that shows up. Um, and so I, I had a routine, but it was always in flux. 
And so I got really good at being on the fly. And I, th- and I appreciate that. But then I, you know, I, I, I'm now reevaluating what it means to, okay, I'm, I'm winning these tournaments out here. The sun is always shining. Maybe I need to stay for a little bit and unpack. Yeah. And you did, I mean, you did travel a little bit of everywhere for indoor when you went from, you started in Puerto Rico and went to Spain and Turkey and Siberia for a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. What were those experiences like just kind of alternating between going to all these places for indoor and then you'd pop back, play a couple of beach events. And it looked like, I mean, that must've been sort of difficult just to maintain just going wherever the contract was coming back and playing beach. Yeah. My dad would say, make hay while the sun shines. So it was at a point in my career where I was, I still had a name from the national team that got me decent contracts. I don't, um, you know, I was that 13th player on a 12 man roster type of kid, um, that was extremely versatile, but some of those top teams never didn't really know what to do with me. Was I an opposite? Was I a setter? Was I an outsider? Sounds like you're a beach player. Yeah, yeah, I had an identity <laughs> crisis you can do indoor. Like, uh, I can <laughs> set, play middle, outside, oppo, whatever you need. Like, yeah, they're like, uh, maybe you should just go play beach. <laughs> Get out of here. A specialized Scram, sport, actually. That's how I felt, at least. So it, exactly, it was like my blessing and my curse. Yeah. It kept me on the team long enough to be the final cut. You know, it's like mm-hmm. so. It, it was. Um, it, it it was a way to. Um, supplement my initial development into the beach game. So I was making my contracts from my indoor would, you know, allow for my, for me to pay for my, my coaching or training or whatever it took for me to kind of make that transition from, from the indoor to the beach. So then when I felt that I was at a level with my beach ranking and kind of my experience level to make that switch fully, I did. Um, and then same thing, like as I was coming up through AVP, I said, I'm not going to attempt taking on the Brazilians until I'm consistently in the finals, um, of an AVP. And, and then I found myself consistently in the finals of an AVP. And then I jumped on the world tour and, um, I've had, you know, I think, uh, average success on, on the world tour, um, top 10 finishes are kind of my but I'm also too coming through the country quota. Um, it's a whole nother animal. And it, it is, quota. it's a whole different, <laughs> you're signing up for a whole different deal. <laughs> um, and so, uh, just kind of evaluating all of that. Um, and the, the country quota in the Hague, I wish I could see that some video of that match. How did that match just go? I know that there was, a pretty lengthy fire alarm delay. Mm. So like you said, you know, when you sign up for a country quota, it's a whole different animal. What is that pressure like traveling to the Netherlands just to have a match against what ended up being the best team in the world that weekend just to get into the tournament? I can't imagine that there is much greater pressure than a country quota. I think it's unnecessary pressure. I think our I think they're creating it and it's it's exhausting resources it's exhausting um the athletes, the athletes. <laughs> yeah. I mean we're we're sending like athletes I th- I think we asked too much of our athletes kind of through the last olympics with flying back for the country quotas and you know like 
that's a lot of friendly fire. And it's there's only so many bullets like the MLB boys or the NBA guys. But exactly. to do it on your own dime, it's like, wow, this is like charity work and, to a certain and, point. Right. And, and you know how many swings you have, you know, like that, that internal count is going, you know, and, and I think you have to know where to spend them, where to, you know, like, where do you want to spend them best? And for me, it was always at the highest of levels. And so, um, the country quota in the Netherlands, yes, there was a lot of pressure. Um, but I think, I think we played very well. I think we played, played them. I mean, we did play them the best match of the tournament and, um, we jumped out on them quick in the first and had a good lead and fire alarm. And, <laughs> you know, you don't want to go down in the books of like the first ever of something when right. it's something like that. But I, I mean, who knows? Yeah. Fire alarm. That was interesting. So we went from bikinis to beanies and it's snowing outside, <laughs> but they let us stay in the, you know, like the corridor. Right. Um, 45 minute delay and then 10 minute warm up and we're back on. Oh, and wow. 45 minutes off. So we had, so we had a good, like we, we still had a good second set. I I think everybody played, we played each other very well in that second set. Um, and then Alex got, remembered she was six, five and (laughs) they had three more touches after her initial touch and April's powerful. So, um, yeah, it was it was a great it was a great played match, but you know th- disruptions like that usually benefit the the team that's down. I right. feel like that's the kind of match where everybody else in the tournament's watching. Like, all right, whoever wins this is going to be the team to beat for this event, and it blows my mind that whoever loses it doesn't even get to play in the event. Like, and I that's think so bad for our sport, right? I completely I mean, agree. Why are we cutting out top teams before the tournament even starts? Emily and I had more points than half the draw. Yeah, exactly. And so we don't even get a chance. And we played the team that won the best, and and we're not even allowed in the tournament because of our country's affiliation. You played a final before the tournament. So to me, it just feels very (laughs) developmentally mental. Plus, we could have had the stands packed for that thing, right? Like, instead of like a random match that you're putting on the day before, like, it's a final quality match that nobody really knows about or cares about because it's country quota they don't really announce it or show it right it's not on live stream or anything um fan there's really not many fans showing up for that right yeah i mean we had it's usually the players it's usually coaches yeah exactly um fans no way because i mean it's a tuesday we flew out the day after christmas you're listening to Sandcast, Beach Volleyball with Triborn and Travis Mawerder, presented by Marriott Vacation Club Rentals and brought to you by VolleyballMag.com. VolleyballMag.com is your daily digital news source for all things volleyball, from NCAA women and men to beach volleyball on all levels to international and more. VolleyballMag.com, the only media outlet that covers our sport on all fronts every day. This podcast is also brought to you by Marriott Vacation Club Rentals, which offers the best vacation accommodations in the world's best vacation destinations. Wherever you travel, Florida to Fort Lauderdale for the first major in February or to the Outrigger Canoe Club in Hawaii, (laughs) you're up to California. Choose to rest now luxurious guest rooms, suites, or villas for your next getaway. Villas offer all the comforts of home, including a full kitchen, living and dining area, and separate bedrooms. Stay with the Marriott name you know and trust. Book big spaces and great places today. Visit www.mvcrentals.com. 
It's where our sports and, at. And, and I think the indoor facilities are a thing. I'm from Colorado. I, you know, like my old club in uh, South Denver has a three court indoor sand facility and it's great. And I, I think they're a thing. And um, I came, I was uh, affiliated with the AVP when they had hot winter nights. And I think there's something to be said for that time of year and that market and playing indoors is real fun in an exhibition type of platform. I would be because, stoked. Because you do need that steady income and you don't want all of your endeavors to be entrepreneurial where you're burnt. You know, like everything is so, hey, fund yourself in this endeavor, whether you're playing or anything along those lines, you know, from, so, um, I like, I like that idea of, of indoor facilities and, and options for athletes to play year round. The Brazilians have been doing it. Not snow volleyball though. No, Cause no, that's growing. That, no. That's getting bigger. Actually. I keep seeing more about snow volleyball, but um, I'm good. I'll pass. Sure. I'm, yeah. I think I'm good on that yeah. one. I moved to California to get away from yeah, the Yeah, knock your yeah. socks off, kids. Fine. <laughs> Whatever. And now just with you being raised in Colorado, too, and you have such an athletic family with your dad playing for the Nuggets and your mom playing a two-sport athlete in college, right? Mm-hmm. Then your brother, I mean, he won the World Series. No big deal. Yeah, How whatever. was it growing up? Just it, That must have been so much fun, mm-hmm. like just in childhood. Because, I mean, I have two brothers, and we just played sports all year round. It was like... When I, I just yeah. have so much nostalgia thinking back on it. Just like we just ran around and played sports all day long. So what was your childhood like? And just I bet that it was so competitive, like a Thanksgiving football game. <laughs> 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 that it was all of it was all of that running around, making up games. Pachink was one of our favorite. It was anything goes basketball with one of those indoor freestanding basketball hoops. We went through 10 hoops oh, yeah. growing up. It was just a part of the furniture, like <laughs> <laughs> the ho-shavers would up and move and dad's hauling out the hoop again. You know? and, um, it was, it was fun. We have lifetime teams. Um, it's dad and Dylan versus Luke and I, and uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's just, and you know, mom just you guys got the arms to, on your team. <laughs> yeah, mom, <laughs> mom tries to keep the place from burning down, so it's good. <laughs> um, no, it was it was fun, but also very supportive. Um, our seasons complemented each other quite well, um, but I think now that I'm an adult, I'm really understanding <laughs> the commitment my parents made to driving us to club and sitting at tournaments and. You know, like they're having those conversations. Do you really want to do this? Because you're going to need to get a job too, kid. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, and so we did. We all had we all had jobs to pay for our off season ball. And um, so yeah, you just if you loved it that much, you're willing to work for it. And we did. Sounds like you're bred for beach volleyball. You have a job to pay for for your sports. It's right? crazy how that it's kind works of out. how our sport works sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Unfortunately, you're, you're prepared. You have a job yeah. to pay for your job. <laughs> for you have some, to work for to some work. people. <laughs> yeah, you got to work to work. What else um, did you play growing up? I'm sure that volleyball, it wasn't just volleyball year round for you. I'm just looking at, at your family's dynamic. Uh, I, I love tennis. I, I played tennis when I was, when I was quite young. Um, my godfather was my, was my tennis coach uh, in South Denver, and I, I loved it. And then we moved out of the city and... Um, I swam a little bit and volley and basketball, ran some track, 
and but volleyball kept kept calling me back and that was that was appealing to me um my decision came down between Nebraska and where Jenny Crop was my um host I guess oh yeah for your recruiting for trip. my recruiting trip and then and Long Beach State and decided Long Beach State and here I am all right <laughs> and you now you filled in for you were the setter coming in after Misty May left right right and did, did you look at that like oh great well I have to fall in the footsteps of a legend or did was that not even something that crossed your mind at the no, time you, of course that crosses your yeah. mind but for me it was well if somebody if somebody's got to do it might as well be me why not yeah yeah I mean if somebody's got to do it and I felt like I was versatile enough to where like um they're used to ath- they're used to athletes I figured they could train me you know like what I don't know you can train me and and they did that was setter's setter you I mean, and now Joy's back, and um, I get to see Debbie Green and Brian Jamilaro this um, this Monday, actually at the Long Beach Century Club dinner. So I'm I'm super I'm looking forward to seeing all my my Long Beach peeps. But they could train me, and that was that was where I held. That's where I always hold my value is is in the training, is in the craft, and they were great coaches. And then, um, yeah, I th- I think that's what drew me the most to to that place. And when did you first start to venture out to the beach? Cause that was a, an indoor background growing up. Was, did you start playing beach when you started playing for long beach state or were, were there some facilities in Colorado that you could play at? I was all indoor. I'm, I'm 36 there. It wasn't, it wasn't like it wasn't oh, around. Good my, point. my mom was the first generation of title nine. So it's cool to see how far we can like, like, now I'm, I get to make a living, kind of, yeah. <laughs> when I win. That's a whole other topic. When I win, I can make it, when I win. Um, no, but I, I think that's, I, yeah, it's, it's cool. And my nieces are, are now moving and jumping and running and getting into it and it's getting after it. And so it's real fun. We, we begin again. Yep. The next generation yep. <laughs> coming up. We might need some partners coming out here pretty soon. Yeah. Some of these young kids, I'm like, wait, you were like born when I was in high school, I feel like, but I could actually play with you. Right. Because I played with John Hyden who was 17 years older than me, so I could wow. play with some kid that was born when I was 17, technically. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of, like, you look at the Partain brothers. I mean, they were 15 and 17. They qualified in Hermosa. Yeah. I think, and then they almost beat. They almost won a couple matches in main draw, which was crazy. They took uh, Jeff Samuels and Mike Brunsting to three in their oh, first really? round. Yeah, fifteen-year-old kid qualified for Hermosa Beach, youngest ever. It's nuts. Yeah, they he beat broke, Rosie. Yeah, broke Rosie's broke record. Rosie's record. No way. That's no small record to break. Dang, that's awesome. Can you imagine? Like, I mean, we're getting to the point where, to, in order to break that record, you're going to have to be a preteen to qualify. For an AVP tournament, that would be basically the new record at this point, which is nuts to think about how fast these kids can develop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're listening to Sandcast, Beach Volleyball with Triborn and Travis Mawerder, presented by Marriott Vacation Club Rentals and brought to you by VolleyballMag.com. VolleyballMag.com is your daily digital news source for all things volleyball, from NCAA women and men to beach volleyball on all levels to international and more. VolleyballMag.com, the only media outlet that covers our sport on all fronts every day. 
This podcast is also brought to you by Marriott Vacation Club Rentals, which offers the best vacation accommodations in the world's best vacation destinations. Wherever you travel, Florida to Fort Lauderdale for the first major in February or to the Outrigger Canoe Club in Hawaii. <laughs> You're up to California. Choose to rest now luxurious guest rooms, suites, or villas for your next getaway. Villas offer all the comforts of home, including a full kitchen, living and dining area, and separate bedrooms. Stay with the Marriott name you know and trust. Book big spaces and great places today. Visit www.mvcrentals.com. And now, in 2006, and we talked a little bit about your injury before we were recording. I'm really curious. So I read that you know you you didn't want to get the surgery. You did your entire recovery holistically. Take us through that process of, of what made you go with, because I feel like surgery is always just the first thing recommended by a lot of doctors. I know that a lot of my friends that everyone has shoulder problems, one of them kind of tore his labrum a little bit, a little bit, and a doctor told him like immediately to get surgery and he's still working back from that. And so you went no surgery and all holistic recovery. So just walk us through that process and the decision-making of what made you go with just sort of the holistic process that you did. Sure. I, um, so I had an eight millimeter disc bulge and a 19 millimeter fragment that broke off and pinned my sciatic nerve. So the left leg just deteriorated. Muscle mass fell off. I lost 20 pounds in six weeks. Um, and, and I just got, it, I, uh, there was numbness. There was, it was nerve pain and you can't, unless you experience it, you can't really explain that lying down, sitting up or standing it Driving doesn't matter car you're just is the worst always, thing ever you're in so much pain yeah, all the time there's nowhere to go there's nowhere to go and so i had uh epidurals so i that was as invasive as i got was epidurals and then um how many epidurals did you get three i did three as well and avoided surgery too nice yeah luckily but yeah that's i mean the fact that we have to get epidural is the same thing that pregnant women have to get yeah. when they're giving birth. It's pretty extreme, I feel like. That it's that. Absolutely. It's, so I wanted to know why uh, the structure of my spine was quite sound and why did this happen? Was it pounding over time? Was it a one-time blowout? And so I just started asking the why. And, you know, there's no owner's manual and you're responsible you're you're responsible for how you drive this vehicle, and so um, instead of taking more Pilates courses, which the bills were adding up quickly, my medical bills. And if you don't play, you don't get paid. You don't get paid. You can't pay those bills. So it's this vicious cycle um, that I said, okay, well, let me pay for the education, and then I can actually like start working and paying those bills back by healing others. So kind of that. Yeah. Let me help someone else get pain free because I'm in a whole lot of pain and I'm, you know, like this is what's kind of coming through me right now. And, um, so I teach, um, and the surgeons that, uh, cut come in to see me, um, <laughs> to learn how to move. That's pretty cool. Whoa. It's really cool. And so you teach Pilates, right? I do. And what, so I guess... I don't really even know what Pilates is entirely. <laughs> like, like, I don't know the difference. Like, what's the difference between, say, Pilates and, and something like yoga? Because are they kind of under the same umbrella-ish, that mm-hmm. flexibility and strength, pliability? Flexibility and strength. Um, for Pilates, there's, there's more of a breath 
rhythm and movement to it. And um, Joseph Pilates invented the the equipment that you might see the reformer and the Cadillac and the barrels and chairs. He like he was a very innovative guy. It, his story is fascinating. Um, but the the feedback of the springs and the tension of the springs. I feel is is so quality because like a lot of what we do as athletes with the therabands and stuff, I think all of that is great. Right. Um, but I do think that there there's something to um, the vibration of the springs and the pull of the springs and and just lengthening and strengthening. Um, so yoga, yes, um, but I. I like to keep a certain tensegrity in my body. And sometimes I think I get a little, you know, like you have to as stretchy limbery as you want to get, you still have to balance stay it with, fast and yeah, explosive. Fast and, uh, you know, I like, I like to maintain my own shoulder, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, not, nobody really touches my shoulder. Um, so sometimes I find yoga to be too, extensive in positions for overhead athletes. You get a little bit bored hmm. sometimes to do. Yeah. And, so, and, but, but, and then that's when you fall into a joint and then that's when you can get into trouble is when the mind go, steps away for a second. Yeah. Yeah. Have you converted Emily? Is she a Pilates girl yet? Um, I haven't moved Emily yet. No. <laughs> um, but she, yeah, she does practice every yeah. now and again, I think. Is there anyone else in the beach community who, who does Pilates? I've done you, it a little bit. championing that cause? Um, I'd love to champion that cause. Um, <laughs> Just throwing it out there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I th- um, Get some classes going? Yeah. I, I, right now, I, I just do privates. I do, I do private sessions. I am open to classes. There's... A lot of moms out there that you know, or athletes that are coming back from from having babies that move brilliantly, but you know, want to work out the kinks and the knees and the holding kids all day and and like resetting the shoulder and the posture and moving. And so, yeah, I think I think there's there might be a moms class, and then I think they're like the Jenny Crops and, yeah. and those girls, um, and then uh, Heather McGuire just. Is coming back off a of baby. Right, good call. I just yeah. saw her today too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm finding some really cool stuff um, for for the guys because all my workouts are are that which I do with my brother, and so kind of moving moving the family. I have a reformer in Knoxville with the, with the family. And so I, I have my own there, but, and that's just to compensate my, or like offset my hard physical training with, with the Pilates. So even back to your question, when you asked where, where am I in season? Am I in off season? Am I in preseason? Yes. Is the answer (laughs) just staying ready. Yeah. And, and to where I can, I can explode that lift and do a Pilates session and play a match. And recover fine, you know, and, and just, so I think it's staying ready and, and super just heightened awareness. And I feel like that answer of just yes is almost where beach volleyball players need to be now because it's almost, it's getting to become a, a year round sport. You know, when you look at how early the FIVB and Norseka start, I mean, you have Fort Lauderdale coming up, right? 
mm-hmm. in just a couple of weeks. Now, do you know points wise? Are you guys in that one? Because so, we do we get an extra berth because we're hosting? We don't know that. I mean, yes, we would be allowed six teams okay. uh, into the tournament, um, and we're waiting. <laughs> I'd have, gosh, of that. I'm I'm terrible with waiting for things. I'm just terrible. Like even though I know I'm going to be in the qualifier for the AVPs that I play this year, I still can't even wait for the bracket to come out to see who I play. I can't imagine waiting to see if I'm in the main draw of a major or if I have to play in a qualifier. Now, would we have a country quota for our own event? Uh, there's there is a possibility that we would have a country quota. Jeez. Um. So staying ready. Yeah. You know and. I th- then when you're when you're ready and you're balanced, then you can choose from that direction. I'm going to play in this. Okay, I'm not going to play in this, but my course doesn't change. And like so that. then you can kind of you de- you then you get to decide. Am, you know, am I am I tournament ready? Is this is this the goal of the team? Then you can pivot when you're balanced. I like that. I, this is one of my favorite parts about the podcast that I just get to take like little little pieces of <laughs> advice from that. like all these top <laughs> yeah. performers. <laughs> so. <laughs> It's we can fun. make like a Tim Ferriss book, mm-hmm. but with like Tools of Titans, yeah, where he takes all from his notes from all his favorite people he's interviewed and just compiles and just them. make a, a volley book. Yeah, it's not a bad idea actually. That's fun. You have an entrepreneurial spirit now. <laughs> I do. This little downtime has not been bad for you. <laughs> yeah. The ideas come fast, <laughs> yeah, they don't are. they? I gotta, I gotta slow the mind down. I have a pin board and and just kind of brain map everything. Oh, that's a good and idea. It's. Or not? It's, I don't it know. <laughs> has actually helped my relationships. Whoa! Because I brain map it, and then my loved ones can come through and go, "Ah, uh-huh, oh. <laughs> oh, that's where I fit <laughs> in. That <laughs> makes sense. Like, there she is. <laughs> oh God, yeah. You know, and it's just like I'm going to stay away from that part. I'm going <laughs> to dabble in this part of Brittany, and uh, it's like, oh, th- now I understand what she was saying and how that would make sense. Then that would go together. You know, like sometimes you just can't find the words for it, and all these ideas come so fast. Yeah, that's but, what, one of the things that I've started doing is I just journal because like my brain is just so full all the time, and so I just jot down sort of what you did with the brain map. I just jot down my ideas, and then I can go back and look at it like two days later, see if it was a terrible idea or like a half decent one. And you never really know what you're going to get. Like some of them I look back, I'm like, God, too much coffee. I was just, I was <laughs> just feeling it. <laughs> yeah, there's some fun, uh, you know, how you preserve your travels. How, how do you preserve those memories? And, and writing has always been a cool place for me is, is in, in those journals and trying different disciplines, kind of going back to like morning disciplines and knowing what you want, like what skills you want to sharpen and, what yeah. tool? Like what, what tools? Worked at, at what you want to have particular time, and then you're just kind of constantly adding things in. Complicating. And it's it. fun too because <laughs> if you're ever getting frustrated with what little progress it feels like you're making, you can just look back to like where you were in October and you be like, okay, I've made some leaps and bounds here from October. It's actually not just all terrible. Mm-hmm. And some things can just fall away. And go, wow. And, and I'm doing, you, you, that usually happens in a move or like seasonally when we were saying you throw stuff out. And during this move, I'm like reorganizing, okay, where does this go? Where does, where does, the, does this have place in my life or we moving, we moving along? Yeah. Yeah. And with moving along, so the next big event for beach volleyball is 2020 uh, in Tokyo. I know that you commentated at the Rio Olympics and that Olympics has always been a goal for you. 
is that the next big goal for you? Is 2020 on the calendar? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so what, what are the next steps for you to take? Because AVP-wise, you guys have established that you are right now the number one American team. You won three events last year. No, team, no other team won more than one. So what, what are the next steps to start establishing yourself overseas? Because we've, we've seen like Trevor Crabbe and Sean Rosenthal sort of the same thing. Made four finals in the AVP last year, struggled a little bit overseas. So is there a tweak that you have to make in your game, or is it just a matter of just getting the finishes and playing well in the tournaments, say, in Fort Lauderdale? I think we've, we had the, the focus external for so long, chasing the points, doing this. And how, how exhausting a, an Olympics, Olympic qualification process is. And it's starting early this year and because the Olympics in Tokyo are early. So the, the snapback time can, can almost make you feel rushed in, into a decision like that. Or, um, but yes, the first step for me is to picture who I want to be at that Olympics. And and then pull her, pull her into existence, you know, just do her, do her better and better every day. And I think it's the internal journey that will get us there faster and, and it'll be more fun than doing the external chase. So just process first results later type deal. Absolutely. It's always been that way. But while visualizing, how you want to feel and how you want to be in that moment so that it's really familiar and you kind of have like a North star you're moving towards. Right. Right. Something like that. I like that. See, I'm going to take that too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Who is Triborn 2020? Oh yeah. Mm. I'm going to start journaling right now. Actually, Mock turtleneck. (laughs) I may wear turtlenecks. Yeah. Ooh. On the court. Oh, cut off. (laughs) 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 Wait, can we rewind? You said they moved up. And this is actually something important for me to know. They moved up the uh, Tokyo Olympics, which moves up our qualification. Well, it's. I, I think th- where Tokyo Olympics lies on the calendar, I, we're starting Olympic qualification in September. Of this year? 2019? Wait. This I is, think, this I is when I look at Emily. <laughs> I, think it, I think it is yeah. this upcoming year because technically when you and Emily played in China, that was for the 2018 season. So Correct. I think that they, when the American season ends and the FIVB, because the FIVB takes like a month or two off. And then once they restart at the end of a year, that's technically the beginning of the next year. Golf oh, is right. the same way. It's like a PGA Tour event in October is technically an event for the ensuing year. Right. That's right. So I, I think Tokyo qualification, you can begin to accrue points in either September or October. Oh, wow. It's that, on. That means a lot for me. That could be my first tournament. Just last mm-hmm. time I played was Olympics, or right after the Olympics. Toronto. And my first tournament back could be the beginning the of beginning, Olympic qualification. Yeah. Great. So now you have some some poetic symmetry there. Yeah, just go right back into the stressful, the most stressful time of <laughs> being a beach volleyball player. Perfect. But you get you. It's almost like a reset button, though. No, totally. Like I, you get to do it again. Yeah, that's true. I'm just yeah. I didn't have to wait around for that opportunity to come again. She's like, here you go, restart. Now are that's you cool. are you at a point Maybe. where you're, 
your points <laughs> are still fro- are your points still frozen, or is the clock beginning to tick for those? That's a good. That's a good uh, question. From what I understand, I'm really bad with points and rules. We and probably figure this out. Yeah. <laughs> but last time I talked to Sean Scott, who's kind of the boss uh, for us at USA Volleyball, he said that I would have uh, this whole season to play in one event. And if I play in one event this year, then my, I get 80% of my points back and the clock starts. So I don't know what that means for the following year, like how many I'll have, but I'll have at that one, at the time of the event that I come back, it has to be this season because after two years, uh, they all disappear. Um, I'll get 80% of my points back. But it'll start my year lo- year long clock. I don't know. I'll and be the only best, one. And it's for your best four of six, not your best right. six of eight. So that's two. different. So when you, yeah. So I gotta look back. I don't even remember. I don't remember anything before Toronto. But <laughs> I think <laughs> I think we uh, finished the season strong mm-hmm. there. So yeah, we'll see. I don't know. That's a whole nother episode. Yeah, we'll get <laughs> tries into points <laughs> bonus episode. <laughs> The calculations of we'll have to bring Emily Day in here, the mathematician. Yeah, exactly. Now, want to get yeah, yeah, Emily, bring your spreadsheet. Yeah, <laughs> try needs a tutoring session. I feel like with every partnership, there is the logistical partner, and then the partner who's more of like the free spirit, sort of along for the ride. Is Emily the the logistics along for the ride? Huh? <laughs> <I'm not laughs> hey, listen, Poor whatever person. that person is, this is why me. I'm this is why I'm a writer. <laughs> So I can think about my words before I say them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Work on that list of adjectives there, buddy. Um, no, I, Emily and I, we crack a lot of jokes because we are quite different, but the focus is the same and we can kind of settle into, we're finding that language with each other. Um, and, and that's, that's important, but we balance each other real well. <laughs> she is very, very logistical, very, you know, linear rule following um and i'm like shapes and sizes and colors (laughs) (laughs) no but it's it's fun and i think um we challenge each other equal parts support each other so uh yeah definitely left brain right brain head heart well you want your partner to kind of fill in the blanks for you right yeah if your strengths are the same thing then I don't know, then you're going to have a weakness between you. But if one person's strength is another person's weakness, then just filling in all the blanks. I like that. Yeah, exactly. I need a thinker on my team. That's, that's, what, <laughs> that's all I know is I'll step on the court. It's like, all right, everything's out the door. You do the thinking, and I'm just going to go. Put the ball in front of me. We've been happens. working with John Daze as mm-hmm. our coach, and he, he's a translator, and it, he, he does a brilliant job. Because I'll have something to say, uh, and he'll he'll process it, and then he'll give something very tactical to Emily, and I'm like, oh my gosh, that that was actually incredible. It was like right. talking into my phone, like, <laughs> speak <laughs> Emily, yeah, Siri, translate yeah. Emily. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. So uh, John is an incredible coach, and it's been real fun. It's been real fun working with him and and getting into the, the nitty gritty of, of the disciplines and hand setting nuances. Mm-hmm. That's all exciting me right now. I just, <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh, the dog just showed <laughs> up. <Bet me> back. <laughs> dog just 
Jumped on Travis's lap and burped all over me. <laughs> now I want to get to uh, a couple fan questions before we got to run. So the first one here is from Tams. It says, what are your hobbies when you're not training or in the gym? Uh, I was just telling Try, I, I have a stand-up paddleboard, and I'm just inland enough to where I would need to car it down to the beach. In your Fiat? And I have a Fiat, <laughs> and I'm so afraid that, that Try is going to catch me on Kook of the Day holding my stand-up <laughs> paddleboard on my Fiat flying down Manhattan Beach Boulevard. That would be a dream come true for me to pull up next to, <laughs> next to Brit, and I just bust out my, uh, my Instagram, put you all so, over it. So um, I... I like to be in the water in, in, the, in the warmer months. Um, I write, and um, I have a small um, capsule wardrobe line that I'm, I'm noodling with and, and having, having a good time kind of moving that forward. So um, I read, and to me, it's, it's family. I, I, I make sure that I'm in, in contact with, with home. What a- home ship. What kinds of things do you, I guess, what are a couple of your favorite books or what are you reading right now? Right now I am reading Present Over Perfect was a Christmas gift and um, the Heart Math Solution was the gift that I gave my team for Christmas and that's the cohesion of the head and the heart and how they've found that the heart actually has its own form of brain you know it's it's neurologically it's the first thing that starts in the womb so you know why why does the heart just start and what tells it to and so kind of the the science of the magic and um so the heart the heart math solution present present over perfect those are the two that i'm bouncing between right now i like that i uh because i'm just i read every morning that's kind of like my little morning routine as Mm -hmm. i wake up walk the dog have to read for like half hour just with my cup of coffee before I'm ready for like human contact. So I'm always looking for new things to read. Recalibrate. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Now we have uh, another one. So this is pretty much a weekly fan question. Wolfgang always wants to know if our guests play video games. And if so, what are your favorites? Are you a gamer? <laughs> I actually... <laughs> I actually have a great Summer Ross story with that question right there. She was on her phone playing playing a video game, and it was it was when she first came out, and I was I was playing with her, and she's like, she goes, "Britt, you play any games?" I go, "Nah, Summer, I'm not really a gamer." And she looks up from her phone for a second. She goes, <laughs> "Yes, you are." <laughs> that just no, yeah, so that, Summer Ross. No, yeah. <laughs> no, you guys missed it. Like. Are you a gamer? Yeah. Okay. Never mind. I, I don't have I don't to. You're a gamer in. I don't have to. I don't have, I don't have to explain <laughs> j- summer jokes around here. You guys just need to go hang out with Summer. She's it's awesome. A, it's amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a whole new experience. The best was when she was explaining to me how her favorite foods are cheese and fruit. So as we're in the airport, in, <laughs> as we're in the airport in China or something, in some random, I don't know where we were in the world. Some random uh, airport lounge. She's pouring Parmesan cheese on her cantaloupe. Sorry, Summer. If it, I know <laughs> she would tell anyone this too, but she's she's amazing. I've seen her go through customs 
with a wheel of cheese, <laughs> yeah. raw milk, and pork chops. She's not and on I'm the dairy-free like, diet. Good luck at customs. I'll see you later. <laughs> she's going. She's got yeah. X-rays. Can of I like, check my wheel of her geez. pork chops? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a, wheel, a wheel of. Cheese. I mean, we're traveling the world, and if you're in Europe, you're going to come across some high-quality cheese. So. You know, in, in BYOC, yeah, BYOC, and Summer's got you. I want to go to a got, party at her you. house. Her cheese platter is going to be just on point. <laughs> Remind me of when April had to check like what the cowbell from oh, yeah. Stad, the cowbell that was basically taking my seat in the car to the airport. Yeah. I was like, April, um, you mind if I sit here? Because you, your cow, your fourth cowbell is kind of in the way, <laughs> and it's really loud on this long, hungover drive. Mm. Through the Swiss Alps. Anyway, <laughs> another story. <laughs> we'll have. So no, I'm not a gamer, but <laughs> oh, I am. That's what we were talking about. <laughs> and we'll have uh, one more fan question here from Tridelt Ten. Throwback question to your Long Beach State career. I was curious on your overall thoughts and memories from that juggernaut team that ultimately fell to Tom and the Stanford team in 2001. Hmm. I actually was just with Logan and Israel. Uh, 10 days ago and she she brought it up she was like I don't know how we won and so it was kind of this cool val like that we were colluded and I don't know I I didn't watch that game film for a very long time and then I went back and and watched and yeah here we are just a runner up <laughs> NCAA runner up I'm, no it, I'm one th- too. that team was that team was just Insane. Cheryl Weaver, Taiba Hanif, Elisha Thomas. Um, yeah, it was fun to be was, a setter on that team. <laughs> Ray Charles <laughs> could have set that team. <laughs> Let's get real. <laughs> yeah, they were. And, and I was opposite at that time. I was opposite that year. Um, I set my freshman and senior year, and then I was okay. in. And then I was our left side of my sophomore year. So. Was Misty there your freshman year? No, I just missed Misty. So you were right after. Her. Got it. Yep. So yeah, that. But I mean, Stanford was was loaded. They had Logan. They had a gun and Namani. Um, they were they were good. Yeah, must have been. We beat them good. earlier in these in that season too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so well, on that positive note, that wraps up for the fan questions. Now, <laughs> is there anything that you'd like to add? Anything that we didn't ask you that you wish we would have? Mm. Wow, just throwing it back like that. Yeah, mic's on you now. Yeah. <laughs> no, keep doing you. This is this is rad. I hope I get an invite back. Yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe sure. we'll do it on the road. There we go. We're going we're gonna to take Sandcast on the road once season, season's technically always started with a weird schedule. But yeah, once it starts, we'll see what happens. Love it. Follow me, don't follow me, do your own thing, but at Britt Hochaver. There we go. That's the handle. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you coming on with us here in, in our preseason, midseason, peak of season, whatever you want to call yeah. it. <laughs> Thanks for having me in your humble abode. Heck yeah. Mr. Bourne. Stoked you made it. It's, uh, it's our incubator of, of ideas. That's what I'm calling it these days. We're just, I'm just bored and making up ideas and uh, we're executing them here at the Bourne on the Beach studios. <laughs> Next time you come in here, we're going to have a brain map. Like all yeah. over the wall. Yes. <laughs> Everyone that comes in gets their I, I mean, it's, you got a map. Yeah, now just throw your brains up there. Oh, yeah. Good point. Yeah. Done. 
All right. We appreciate you again for coming on, and we will catch you guys next week on Sandcast.